Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the programme that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr Denise Quinlan and today myself and Dr Lucy Home are talking about how schools build and sustain wellbeing for all of their community. Our guest today is Rhiannon McGee, Head of Positive Education at Geelong Grammar School in Australia. In that role, Rhiannon is charged with overseeing how well-being is supported throughout the school and how it's taught to students from early years through to high school. Kia ora, Rhiannon. We're delighted to have you with us. Welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Thank you so much, Denise and Lucy. <laughs> Kia ora. Nice to see you, Rhiannon. Um, so, Rhiannon, Geelong Grammar is famous as a pioneering school in wellbeing. I know you've been at Geelong for over two years now, having come from, you know, a long-term commitment to wellbeing in other schools. So what we're curious about is, what were you impressed with when you joined Geelong? What does the school do well? I think the, my immediate um, impression was that the positive education was so well accepted um, within the school and was really a part of the school culture, I suppose, that strength-based approach. Staff really understood that to be an educator or an operational staff member within the Geelong Grammar School context, that there needs to be a firm commitment to wellbeing and positive education as our approach. So having come from experiences where I really had to, um, I suppose, fight for positive education to be a priority. I felt that that really wasn't something I had to do at Geelong Grammar. So it was quite refreshing. And um, really, I suppose my challenge was coming up to speed and assimilating and understanding what the standard was at Geelong Grammar School. And then from that, um, how I can continue to improve and evolve the approach. Lovely, lovely. And any particular practices at Geelong that you you thought, yep, I love this, this is great work? Yeah, and it's so hard because, you know, you kind of become so used to, you're you're enculturated so quickly. But I think for me, um, my deep commitment to professional learning um, and, and the importance of professional learning underpinning any wellbeing approach was really, it's really satiated, I suppose, at Geelong Grammar School because there's such a strong um, uh, commitment again I suppose to ensuring that our staff are well equipped with the well-being principles and practices that are espoused through positive education through um, three-day courses being offered well really staff who um, sign up to Geelong Grammar School must undertake a discovering positive course that's a part of their contract ongoing opportunities um, I just ran a staff positive for you session for our operational staff today on self-compassion so regular opportunities to top up. Um, So for me, I think having space in the school year um, really already carved out for professional learning is, to me, a powerful commitment and so helpful um, and underpins my philosophy that we need to do everything we can to equip staff with um, research and practice and rigour, I think, to make sure that we are doing the best we can by, by our students. Um, and that our approach isn't watered down, I suppose, and um, oversimplified as well. So when, yeah. so when you say that, how much um, time is carved out for PL? Can you give us 
Great. Well, so there's the, the three days when you first start and then once a term staff, teaching staff and our operational staff will participate in a posed for you session. Um, so that's once a term and then we have, um, you know, optional opportunities, I suppose. So at the moment, our mindfulness consultant, Janet Etty Leal, is running a mindfulness course over the space of the term for all of the staff across campuses who choose to come along. I like to look at you know, you've got different levels of professional learning. You've got the posed view that everyone engages with and then there are opportunities to take a deeper dive, I suppose. Um, and we have, uh, when we have visiting fellows um, who contribute to our insight series, um, staff are always given a free pass, I suppose, to come along to those evenings. Um, and, yeah, so I suppose in terms of professional learning, it's about providing as many different access points as, and opportunities, I think, as you can. Yeah. Um, and I'm always really pleased when we do offer the extended opportunities, like the mindfulness course, for instance, to see who elects to come along um, when it's voluntary. And it's often people that you wouldn't even imagine, you know, probably our facility staff actually are really taking up the opportunities that we provide more than teaching staff and I find that interesting as well. That's so cool. Mm. And in terms of coaching, and so I was asking around about um, coaching when we were at the yes. Congress and I asked all sorts of people who was good on coaching. <laughs> a lot of people told me to talk to you, Rhea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so um, that implies you've, got a, you've had a pretty long-term commitment to coaching. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and sort of how long have you been interested and what have, what's your path to today? Well, so I think for me, you know, I, there's there's positive education, there's, you know, the core practices that we teach through positive education, but then there's, you know, that organisation, those organisational practices um, that really help to cultivate the kind of culture that you that you know you want um, for positive education to be effective, and and I'm. I'm very, very um, motivated by um, inc incorporating those practices like appreciative inquiry, like coaching into um, your whole school approach to wellbeing. And I think that those practices can probably be more effective, you know, than if we're, if we're cultivating the right culture, I think we can probably have more impact than through an explicit pos-ed lesson um, is my belief. So I see coaching as a strengths-based approach that really complements positive education Lately, I've been describing it as positive education is a one-size-fits-all approach to wellbeing, and I see coaching as a um, way of differentiating your approach so that um, a lot of what students are learning and staff are engaging with um, through our, you know, proactive programs can really be drawn on when having one-on-one -on -one coaching conversations and setting goals around wellbeing or learning or whatever is the need for that particular individual. So... I was exposed to coaching um, in my previous context and it was um, a program that was brought in when I was on the leadership team which in involved all staff and it was a bit of a top-down approach, I suppose, and, 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 and involved all middle leaders being trained as coaches and coaching their direct reports. And I really loved the potential for this program but I learnt very quickly through that experience that um, asking all staff or really prescribing this approach and um, expecting that all staff opt in is probably not the best way to go because there was some disgruntlement um, on behalf of those who didn't really understand the why and but I still felt very, very passionate about the why and the potential and then over my time in my previous context um, after we kind of concluded that particular approach, uh, we started to take a little bit more of a drip feed approach and um, 
bringing in some key coaching practices um, into some already existing um, contexts like uh, staff uh, annual review processes or in our pastoral program and, and just using those um, already existing practices or um, initiatives as an entry point for coaching. Um, we engaged Susie Green further on in our journey in an effort to cultivate a coaching culture at the school. Um, and then, and that was really about giving all staff some foundational professional learning around coaching again um, and integrating coaching practices into the POSED, uh, our POSED approach, our pastoral care programs um, and other entry points, as I said, but also um, engaging coaching champions. So those staff who really wanted to continue the journey um, then took on further professional learning and they were really the ones to drive coaching on the ground. Um, and since I've come to Geelong Grammar, there's a similar approach, actually, um, a wonderful team of staff members who have chosen to undertake the growth coaching training. Yeah. Um, and they, they're, they're, it's a really grassroots, bottom-up approach, I suppose, here at Geelong Grammar, which has been really effective. And I'm, I'm always so keen to make things happen on a large scale that I've, I've learned a lot through this team, actually, about what can be achieved um, in that organic you know, drip feed way. So our staff who are trained as coaches um, coach other staff members who elect to be involved in, in that um, experience. But also what's starting to happen now is we're running pilots in various boarding houses um, where our tutors, as we call them, are being trained up with some core coaching skills and they are um, working with their tutees, our students, um, in that coaching capacity. And Further to that now, we're embarking on a um, pilot with um, students coaching students. So it's happening more slowly, you know, than I'm used to, but it's actually, I'm learning that it can be very effective that way. Mm. But it, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound slow to us. I mean, it's yes. had a lot of learning by, yeah. by the, you know, uh, and realising that actually it's really helpful not to push this on people to mm -hmm. Come to it when they're ready mm. to harness the, the the people who are the the champions mm. and work. And then also the flip side of that is showing mm. the people who aren't so keen where they maybe already do some coaching. Yes, exactly. That's lovely. But but mm. but you're already you're so so just to clarify, you're doing you've already got mm. coaching in place. You've got some people who are committed coaches. You have some tutors who are doing some coaching, and mm -hmm. you've got peer coaching happening with students. Yeah. How long has that been going on, your peer coaching with students? Uh, this is only this year, actually, that um, we're starting to look at this. Uh, and it was something I had uh, begun the journey with in my previous context. And then, you know, as you do when you move to a new school, you need to, you know, learn the lay of the land and, um, and uh, engage with your key stakeholders. So, it's, you know, we've only just started to look at how um, we can equip our students, I suppose, with skills. You know, and I was introduced to this by Christian Van Nieuwenberg a few years ago when I went to a conference. It just really resonated with me, um, you know, in the context of this uh, 20, focus on 21st century skills these days. You know, imagine if we can, impart, you know, give students um, the opportunity to learn these coaching skills that they can take with them into the workplace, into their, you know, tertiary context. Um, you know, that's such a powerful way, I suppose, to... Um, equip them for this, this very different uh, landscape. So that, that kind of resonated with me and, um, you know, and so 
again, I've, I've taken different approaches through positive education where we, you know, at year 10 in my previous school, we um, had a little unit on coaching. Um, but again, I think as with staff, I think with students, it should be something that they elect to be involved in again. Um, so now we've just started, just had our first session with some students in a girls boarding house. We've got six girls um, in year 11 who have elected to be coaches and six year 10s, luckily enough, um, the head of house is very pleased that it's this perfect symmetry because <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way, who have elected to be coached. Um, and so we're going to, uh, a handful of us from the coaching team are going to provide some um, professional learning, I suppose, for our students around coaching and then they're going to implement that with these, these uh, coaching relationships. So we'll see how that goes um, and, again, let that, you know, evolve, I suppose, organically. <laughs> and Rhiannon, can we ask you a bit about, are you using the same models with the staff and the students? Yes. Um, yeah, it's the, it's, we, we, we're um, heavily informed by the growth coaching yeah, the GROW model. Um, and I suppose the, the professional learning that the staff who are in the coaching team have undertaken is obviously far more comprehensive than that which we provide to um, our tutors and our students. But my next step is looking at those POSED for you sessions and, and what we do offer staff, by the way, of um, regular POSED training. And, and I would like to um, spend some more time on co core coaching skills. Because I, I do feel that, you know, understanding the coaching relationship, the, you know, how we can shift from that mentor role that we as teachers are so very good at, you know, um, taking to a coaching approach, um, emphasising powerful listening, powerful questions. It can really change the uh, nature of the conversations we have in a school. It complements a strengths-based approach. Um, enhances professional relationships and professional efficacy, I believe, and also teacher-student relationships. So in my mind, it's a lovely overlay, I suppose, that enhances everything you're trying to do academically, pastorally, in terms of well-being and so on. Yeah, That's, awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, for people who aren't familiar with the model, yes. the, the basic GROW model, GRO, yeah. is goals, reality, options and will, or, you know, what is it that mm -hmm. you can do, and then the growth model adds on a T and an H, and the T mm -hmm. is tactics, and the H is for habits. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And you can go back to the regrow, which um, you know, uh, once you've once you've moved through that cycle, it's coming. It's reflecting on um, what you've achieved, celebrating success. You know, what have been some barriers in the way, and then you might use that learning to start the process again. So. A very, very um, modified version of that is uh, something I've developed for our senior school tutorial program where at the beginning of every term, students in um, conversation with their tutors will set a goal for the term, a wellbeing, academic or personal goal, and we use the tutorials that we have throughout the term as opportunities for the tutors to check in. Um, and it's you know, they've got a guide based on the growth approach um, and then at the end of the term they'll reflect on their success and um, celebrate success if need be or um, apply their learnings the next term to another goal. And so on we go. So we move through the cycle. And do you have a template for that, for the tutors? Yes. And is that something you'd be willing to share with of us? Of course. 
Yes, I and I think really what I've done is I've adapted it from some resources and materials that I've, I've gathered from um, growth coaching international. So, cool. yeah, absolutely. It's really basic and it just incorporates some questions, some coaching-style questions that the tutors can draw on. Yeah. My, my great vision, I suppose, best possible case scenario would be having um, extending our explicit positive education um, program, I suppose, that students are exposed to up until year 10 into a coaching model for the senior students. I think that would be the best evolution of positive education where it becomes much more personalised and relevant to their needs. So do you mean that then the year 11s and up would be having more of the positive education concepts funneled as an need through coaching through a, co- a dedicated coaching relationship yeah that would be my ideal I think yeah yeah that sounds awesome and Rhiannon mm. if, um, if you were talking to a school that was just thinking about embarking on coaching mm. what's your advice on how to begin I think I, I whether it's coaching or positive education or anything really always start with professional learning and um you know I suppose cultivate your champions to draw on your champions those who are keen to dedicate their time and energy to that professional learning so that you can come back as a collective you know as a core group and decide what's going to work for our context mm-hmm. um what are our change levers i suppose what do we do we want to focus on just staff coaching staff as as we have done here at Geelong grammar or what will happen before my time or do we want to start with our senior leaders having a coaching experience so that they understand the benefits and, and then on we go. Um, do we want to, I don't think we should start with students if we're not doing it ourselves. I think it always has to begin with us. So really just um, some core change makers, key change makers undertaking professional learning and, and deciding what's going to work best for their context. Yeah. And, and I suppose through my experience, don't bring in a whole um, program that you impose on every staff member. Um, maybe look at, at ways in, um, in through already existing approaches. Every school has an annual review process or, you know, a pastoral approach and so on. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. And so we were keen to ask you a little bit about um, student voice and student engagement. And I know in all of the schools that are active in the well-being space, um, there's been a big increase in the last decade around mm. how schools are thinking about engaging student voice. Um, how is that working at Geelong? What What are some of the initiatives you might be proud of there? Ooh, well, we've had we have had a very strong focus on student agency just in general, and um, we do have student well-being action teams at. Um, one of our, our Turak campus, which is one of our primary campuses in our middle school. And the group that I've been working with more um, heavily has been a, a Year 11 house positive education representative. So um, the students at the end of Year 10 are asked whether they would like to um, nominate to represent their house. And then I work with them throughout the course of the year. And I've probably been most proud with that engagement and um, the work they've done in helping um, develop our Year 11 retreat, for instance, um, providing input about what's working in POSED, what's not working so well, because believe me, there's always a lot to work on. Um, and, you know, what, how to engage students, you know, I think they really enjoy having a voice in that way. Um, 
when we have visitors, as we often do, to the school, they'll, they might come on a panel and share with visiting teachers their experiences of POSED and it can definitely be warts and all. Yeah, um, right. yeah, which, you know, and they're just, I think my proudest moments are when I hear them speak to our visitors without being scripted or prepared or in, in any way about their, the, the benefits they see of positive education, but also the challenges and why certain students aren't as engaged and, you know, I, I think I'm just most proud of what comes out of their mouth, unbitted by us. So, yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask you that. What, um, how do you tease out their feedback? So the panels, when you've got visiting people, that's mm. one. What other ways have you tried to feed out honest feedback? Honest wow. feedback. I, I um, well, we do, I mean, we've obviously had the uh, great benefit of being able to um, participate in research at Geelong Grammar School mm-hmm. in conjunction with Melbourne University and there have been focus groups and surveys and so on prior to my coming um, that have helped us understand what works, what doesn't work and what we can do um, to increase engagement. But ever since I started on my POSED journey in my previous context and into Geelong Grammar School, I do like to be pretty regular about seeking feedback from students. What did you enjoy learning about this term or last year or what do you remember learning about, which is always interesting at the beginning of a school year. <laughs> it's yeah, interesting yeah. what resonates and what doesn't. Um, and you know, how do you want to learn? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's often videos and guest speakers, but important to listen. Um, and what do, you, what do you want to learn about? We're not addressing. So even just asking those questions so that they do feel like they have a role in the ongoing evolution of positive education. When you ask what would you most like or what are we missing or yeah. what's not working, is there anything that's ever really surprised you or, yeah, what's the most interesting thing you've found? Ooh, it's, it's funny because when you really do ask students, it's usually what's really most pertinent to them at that point in time and it might be at year seven, it might be how to make friends or friendship issues. Um, you know, I think in year 10 it might be more around academics, you know, but there's nothing, it hasn't, I can't and I'll have to have a think about it and I probably at 12 o'clock tonight will think of <laughs> something amazing. I can't think that nothing really sticks out for me as to what they want to learn about that we're not covering already, which I actually find interesting because sometimes, you know, I do I do um, spend a lot of time on the engagement issue and, and how we engage students and what could we be doing more of. But when you do ask them, they don't often provide anything beyond what you're trying to do or what you're doing already. Um, which, which makes it a really good program. Yeah, I think, and at the end of the day, it's just where they're at in their lives and, and what resonates with them or are they ready for this or will it resonate later? And many of our alumni have been very proactive about sharing with us and Charlie Scudamore, our vice principal, um, you know, their own their own experience post-Geelong Grammar School, um, drawing on positive education practices and learnings that they thought were rubbish at the time, but now, you know, now it resonates with them. So, you know, there's been some really beautiful pearls of wisdom, I suppose, that have come from the mouths of our Year 11 POSED reps or alumni, which probably resonate more perhaps than that immediate feedback you're getting from students, you know, um, when you survey them the way we have. I, I suppose from the Melbourne Uni study, the biggest learning was the power of the teacher to really make students love POSED or hate POSED. You know, that was really what came from that that those focus groups and 
probably we know that as teachers anyway, don't we? So it often reinforces what you already know. So, Rhiannon, this is the work that Diane Bella Broderick did as part mm. of the evaluation, yeah. It is. One beautiful, profound comment that came from one of our current year 12 students who was a year 11 posed rep and who um, has, you know, he actually met Marty Seligman when he visited last year and um, he told Marty that boys don't really like posed at Geelong Grammar School. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Marty's like, Rhiannon, tell Rhiannon, you know, she can do something about this. But he did say on one panel, you know, before I came to this school and he was at a school in Thailand in year 10, um, I, I knew, I learnt that relationships were important, but it wasn't until I, I was exposed to positive education that I realised that my relationship with myself was just as important. So you just have those little moments where you get that insight and you think, oh, okay, good, okay, well, you know, we're on the right track, you know, and that's what you're getting from it. But yeah. And I love you. And you go, and if this is the guy who says boys don't really like it and he yes. says something so important and profound, well, mm. that's mm. Yeah. Exactly. Just a couple of final questions for you. Yeah. If you could only do one thing for the rest of your life to support well-being for other mm. people, what would it be? Oh, dear. Um, if I could do one thing, I suppose for me it's just about continuing to cultivate or um, generate a passion for mental health promotion um, and for proactive approaches to wellbeing and to engage others in that passion, you know. And the way I feel that is through study and practice and, you know, immersing myself um, in a lived experience of positive psychology and other wellbeing approaches. Um, and I, you know, I work quite closely with those students who are struggling still and that really inspires me. So I suppose I just want to help continue to generate a conversation and an interest yeah. around mental health. Mm. Thank you. And tell us, what's your go-to strategy for boosting your own wellbeing whenever you get a bit frustrated or down? I think the best strategy or practice for me has been mindfulness um, and by no means am I a daily practitioner. I wish I was. I'm still working on that but I, I've, I really learned, I've learned on my own journey with mindfulness that all the things we try to achieve through gratitude practices, focusing on strengths, um, positive relationships and so on, um, through mindfulness can be achieved, I think. I think if we can really cultivate um, a personalised practice we can achieve so much for our own well-being, but also in terms of the way we connect to others and um, just harmony, I suppose, in communities and societies. So I, I'm still working on that. I'm doing the MBSR at the moment. Um, as and are you doing that online or are you doing that um, face-to-face? Face-to-face, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Rhiannon, it's been a real joy to talk to you. And, um, and there definitely is an ethos of generosity and authenticity about everybody we ever speak to from Geelong Grammar. You are really doing something very good there. So thank you again for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been a joy. Thank you both. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. 
If you'd like to learn more, our book, The Educator's Guide to Whole School Wellbeing, is available from nziwr.co.nz from early 2020. You can also listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz, on nziwr.co.nz, and you can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the latest research and practice in school well-being, join us at the Wellbeing and Education Conference in Christchurch from the 2nd to the 4th of April and Auckland from the 6th to the 7th of April 2020. For more information, go to nziwr.co.nz or conference.co.nz forward slash wenz20.